Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Inside China's Gaokao factory, a former student recounts her grueling schedule and eventual withdrawal from Hengshui a city notorious for exam prep schools. Published in World of Chinese. Written by Ren Jian the Livings. Translated by Hattie Liu. Read to you by Cliff Larson. The 2022 edition of China's National College Entrance Examination, or Gaokao, takes place from June 8th to June 9th, this year, with certain cities offering additional subject tests until the week's end, and Shanghai postponing its exams until July due to COVID-19 restrictions. During this week, close to 12 million teens will be striving to achieve their best results on what for most will be the single factor deciding which university they will go to, or whether they go at all. Such extreme stakes breed extreme measures. Across China, a number of high schools have gained fame or notoriety for their rigorous examination prep methods that seemingly churn out expert test takers. Apart from Maotanchang in Anhui province, the city of Hengshui in Hebei province, is perhaps China's most famous Gaokao factory. It is known for having a rigorous curriculum based on repetition, military-style discipline, and even pep rallies and slogan chanting, which allegedly succeeds in sending around 87% of students across its several high schools to so-called first-tier universities each year. This reputation has attracted high school students from across China, as well as students wanting to retake the Gaokao to improve their scores, to try to transfer to a Hengshui school in the hopes of raising their grades. The following story is the first-person recollection of one such transfer student who eventually rebelled against and left the Hengshui system but continues to have questions about whether it was all worthwhile. One of six. One morning in July, before dawn, a dozen classmates and I boarded a coach in front of our school. By afternoon, we'd arrived at our destination, the gates of the Hengshui Number 2 High School. Not long before, I had signed myself up for an entrance exam, and earned the opportunity to transfer to one of Hengshui's prestigious high schools. At the time, I was totally ignorant of what this entailed. I just told my parents the news over the phone, 
I packed my bags and left. Everything I knew about the school, I'd heard from older students and teachers. Before every summer holiday, high school juniors flood into this minor city from all over the country. They say they are transferring to study, but it's more like attending a boot camp. Hung Shui would be their home for most of their final year of high school. As I sat on the bus and waited, several students jogged out of the school building and escorted us off of the bus one by one. My guide was a girl with short hair, glasses, and a very forthright manner. As she helped me carry my sheets, she introduced herself as He Zhan and said the teacher had asked her to show me around. We drop off my things in the dormitory first and then go straight to the classroom. From the outside, the dorms of Number 2 High School didn't look very different from those at my old school. But once you enter, you realize how much neater it is. There was not a wrinkle in any of the sheets on the bed. The students had folded their quilts in a perfect rectangle, like a block of tofu, and they didn't stuff junk under their beds. Only a plastic basin and a few pairs of shoes... Looking at my own bags, which I dropped carelessly on the floor, I immediately felt like I was breaking some rule. And after quickly helping me straighten up, He Zhan took me to our classroom. The wide hallway was flanked by classrooms on each side, but there was no windows in the hall. The lights were kept on all day long. I seemed to be the first non-local student in the class. Entering from the back of the classroom, I saw everyone with their noses in their books. No one glanced my way. He Zhan dragged a desk to the back of the classroom, and I gingerly pushed a chair toward it. It gave a loud screech as it scraped the floor, and I jumped. But still, no one lifted their heads to look at me. And soon the speakers in the classroom began to play a recorded English listening practice, as I had arrived, I didn't have the textbook to go along with the recording, so I could only doodle on some paper I had brought. As soon as the recording ended, the classroom suddenly erupted with the sound of chairs and desks scraping, and the halls thundered with footsteps, as if many people were running at once. In a minute, the noise had died down, and only half the students remained in the classroom. Khudzahan had disappeared, before I had figured out what was going on, a cardboard carton full of noodles materialized on my desk. Looking up, I saw Khudzahan apologizing. I forgot to tell you. We buddy up to take turns fetching our meals from the cafeteria. I'm paired with Lin Man, and it's my turn to get your food today. You can join our group. We usually just bring breakfast and dinner here. You get your own lunch from the cafeteria. The students ate as fast as they fetched the food. When I was still halfway through my noodles, the desks were already spotless. The class representative began passing out mock test papers for us to complete in the evening, and the teacher walked in. His eyes seemed to immediately fasten onto my messy desk and half-finished dinner. Come on, eat faster! Look, how many physics equations everyone else has done already? The teacher didn't speak harshly, but I was still nervous. I swallowed what was in my mouth, I put my bowl on the floor beside my desk like the others, and flipped open my exam paper. Later, the teacher called me over and asked me how I was doing. 
I stood with my hands behind my back, fidgeting, and said it was okay. There was a lot of things I was still getting used to. We sprint to eat here, he explained. New transfer students can leave five minutes earlier to get their food. If you can't finish, you can keep eating after class. It's important that you eat. You need the energy to attend all the classes, finish all the problems, and participate in physical exercises. I was all alone at the school, without the familiar faces of teachers and classmates I'd known before. I didn't even know which class the other transfer students from my old school had been put in. This first conversation with my new teacher made me feel like a fish left gasping on dry land that had been rescued and put back into the water. I was still alive, and I had to keep swimming. Two of six. I woke up at four the next morning. Khudzi Han had told me that it was against the rules here to get up before the alarm went off at 5.30. You'll get a demerit if you even put your clothes on before that time. I lay still on my bunk and stared at the ceiling for over an hour. Finally, a piercing ringing sound issued from the speakers and I jumped up from the bunk. On the bunk below, Khudzi Han was already folding up her quilts, so I also began clumsily tugging on my sheets, pulling on my shoes. By the time we jogged out of the room, the hallways were full of impatient students, as well as students on duty bringing trash out of their rooms. There was a traffic jam at the top of the stairs. The crowd behind me pushed me forward as I tried to find my footing. Finally, we made it out of the building, and we joined a bigger mass of students sprinting towards our meeting point. Every student at this school is required to join in morning exercises. We don't run on the sports track, but around the empty fields surrounding the school buildings. Every class ran in formation, forming two lines with a space in between. Because I was new, there was no space for me in the class formation. I stood beside the lines and copying the students around me, took out the reading we were sent last night. Holding the paper in my hands with my elbow straight, 45 degrees above my face, I began to read out loud. The sports representative was a male student, and when he came to assign me to a place in the line, his eyes still looked half-closed and had a definite case of bedhead. When we finally all got in formation, a teacher began to shout, One, two, one, two, to guide our marching. Her voice rang with power. I'd heard about the marching from an older student before I'd come to this school, and it was exactly as they had described. We lifted our legs so our thighs were parallel to the ground, the front arm went out 90 degrees, and the back arm 60 degrees. When the teacher shouted, one, we put our left foot on the ground. On two, we lowered our right foot. The teacher began shouting faster and faster, and I struggled to keep up. I began to lag behind the beat. Because the school uniforms were too big for me, every time I put my foot down, I stepped on the back of my pants, and I tried not to trip. I also stumbled over the slogan, that Khudzhan had taught me to shout, Go number two high! Victory for number two high! Number two high is number one! The sports representative stood beside me and reminded me to stay on beat, to lift my leg higher. I know, I'm trying, I yelled in frustration. My only consolation was that since I was new, he couldn't exactly punish me, so I continued to step at my own pace. Now and then I looked up, and once I saw a familiar face in the class next to ours, a girl from my old school. 
but she didn't look at me. That made me feel lonely. My legs were already sore after the marching, but we had to start jogging right away. There was maybe half a foot of space between each student in the formation. I was in the outside line, so every time we turned a corner, I struggled to keep up. But I also couldn't run too fast, or else I'd step on the toes of the student in front of me. At this school, you're punished if you lose your shoes during the jog, usually by being suspended from class and forced to stand out in the hallway for a day or several days, you aren't allowed to do anything else while you stand. So even during physical exercise, I couldn't let my brain relax for a second. After a week, I gradually got used to the way of life at number two high school. On some mornings after exercise, our homeroom teacher would call a class meeting where we would disparage, praise, or encourage individual students as needed. I could picture the expression on his face just by hearing his voice, and it made my chest feel tight. After the meeting, students returned to the classroom for the morning reading session. At 6.30, the students responsible for fetching breakfast would dash towards the cafeteria with freezer bags they'd prepared ahead of time. Those who weren't on breakfast duty would go brush their teeth in the bathroom. And while eating, everyone took out the practice problems they would be tackling during that day's self-study period. I didn't usually go get lunch in the cafeteria after the morning's classes ended, but returning to my dormitory to eat the snacks I'd hoarded there. This was the only way I could squeeze a quick wash of my hair with the cold water, as there wasn't enough time in the evening. As soon as the bell rang for the afternoon nap, students had to go to their beds. Students had to be in their beds. A dorm matron would look in the window and check. After nap time, we returned to the classroom to sing our class song and continue with our lessons. I seldom took any naps at number two high. At lunchtime, students usually took English and Chinese language practice problems to their dormitory, what they jokingly called a buffet. There was rarely enough time to sleep by the time I finished them. On the rare occasion I did take a nap, I would be woken up by the piercing sound of the bell. It jolted me out of my rest and made me feel like every nerve in my body was a rubber band stretched tight, ready to snap. We did English listening practice every night before dinner, and after dinner it was self-study time. Our day ended at 10.10 every evening, and then we would wake up in the next morning and repeat. Gradually, I got faster and faster at running for my meals. My bed was made neater and neater, and the quilt more and more rectangular. But somehow I started feeling like a fish, gasping for air on dry ground. Three of six. Every week we took a mock Gaokao quiz. Soon after I joined the school, I experienced my first one. The mock quiz wasn't very much like the real Gaokao. The format of the questions was different, but there were so many questions on the quiz as our usual practices, so I could never finish it. The teachers at number two high were fast at revisions. That first Sunday, I saw my rank in the class, second to last. I snapped. All I could think of was leaving. The dinner Hudzahan fetched for me was left uneaten on my desk as I waited for the homeroom teacher to appear. He finally came and I ran out to meet him in the hallway. I started crying because I couldn't even talk, but eventually conveyed to him, stuttering, 
that I wanted to borrow a phone to call my teacher at my old school. I want to go back. I'm doing so badly. You've only done one test and you want to give up? He asked. Now, first, calm down. And when you've stopped crying, I'll let you borrow my phone, okay? Go wash your face and calm down a bit. I did, as he asked. When I returned to the classroom, I stopped crying. The teacher brought out a chair for me and let me finish eating out in the hallway. Not long after, the chemistry teacher invited me to, to the print room for a chat. He was a short, slightly chubby man with a kind smile. He made small talk and then told me about successful transfer students from the past and told me not to be scared off. It'll be summer vacation soon, and then you can go home. I didn't end up making that phone call. The days that followed were uneventful, but I persevered. I made a phone call home a few days before summer vacation. It was the first time I'd called my parents since coming here. Once we'd sat our final exams, our teacher told us that non-local students could leave that same day. Our school didn't send a bus for us, so I and six other students from my old school decided to take the train. And by the time we packed and arrived at the station, our train had already started boarding. We ran for the check-in counter and hurried on board, as if we were fleeing from something. It was 2 a.m. by the time I arrived home. I ate some food out of the fridge and got in bed, but had no desire to sleep at all. I thought of the mountain of summer homework I'd been assigned and the final year of high school waiting for me at the end of vacation, and my insides curled up in anxiety. My tears started to fall. I considered not returning to Hengshui once the term started again. But I never vocalized this thought. At the end of the summer, I returned to Hengshui. In our final year, more transfer students joined our class, so I no longer stood out. Life at school was just as intense, uneventful, and tedious as ever. As I went through the emotions each day, I realized my whole routine had been planned out for me, and all I had to do was follow. Gradually, I lost my perceptiveness of the outside world, as well as the desire to perceive it. I was like a puppet on strings. The teachers at number two high were all very attentive, but most of their energy was focused on the students ranked in the top 20 of the class. Among all the teachers, my homeroom teacher stood out. He always talked in a slow, leisurely pace and would tell stories or show videos unrelated to our studies during class meetings. When it was his turn to monitor our self-study period, he would doodle on the mock exam papers. Sometimes, he rode his Segway scooter into the classroom. But even so, he was our puppet master. Our lives were in his hands. Four of six. We had a short holiday every month, starting from noon on Sunday and ending on Monday morning. I would arrange with a few friends to leave the campus together. As soon as we left the teaching building, before we'd gone out, of the school gates, I started feeling like a different person. My heart was light as a cloud. Laughing and chattering, we would head towards the nearest supermarket and come up with two large plastic bags of junk food each. That was to be my lunch for the next month. After that, we'd head to a hotel. As there are very few local students at Hengshui, hotels were our only option if we didn't want to stay on campus on our night off. 
Every holiday, I imagined us fanning out all over the city. After taking a quick nap, we would go shopping. The day would go by in a flash. In the evening, we would watch a movie in our hotel room and fall asleep draped haphazardly across the bed, each of us facing a different direction. Almost always, I would be the first to wake up the next morning. I would stare at the ceiling, trying to suppress the anxiety I knew would soon bubble up inside me. I knew the holiday was ending, and we were going back to normal. The previous afternoon was like a dream. Because of this, to this day, I don't like staying in hotels. It gives me a feeling of good things about to come to an end. Time passed quickly. In mid-October, it was time to sign up for the gal call. The teachers from our old school came to fetch us. Our bus left Hung Shui at 6 in the morning and arrived at 4 p.m. As we drove through the gates, I saw parents waiting with suitcases and packages in front of teaching buildings. We didn't even have time to talk with them after getting off the bus, but were hurried upstairs to get our pictures taken and signed up. After that, I went to find my parents downstairs. They brought me winter clothes and shoes and asked me how life was in Hung Shui. They told me to eat well and stay healthy. We didn't have much time to talk. As soon as all the students were registered, we had to go straight back. We left at 5 p.m., and it was midnight by the time we returned to Hung Shui. The girls' dormitory was locked, and we couldn't find the matron, so we slept in an empty classroom. It was cold in October. I sat on the floor with my back against the wall, willing myself to sleep. Half awake, I heard a girl calling her parents with a sob in her voice. Another girl developed a fever. When we finally gave up trying to sleep, we paced back and forth in the hallway to stay warm. The next morning, we didn't take part in the mock test, but went to catch up on sleep in the auditorium. And for the whole week after, I felt like a zombie. I didn't know why we bothered hurrying back in the night. I didn't know what students like us meant to the school. I felt like some ideal I had always believed in had collapsed. Five of six. We took a mock quiz every week and a major mock exam every month. My grades were gradually improving. I was never in second last place again. Oddly enough, my scores on the quizzes were mediocre, but I always exceeded expectations on the major monthly exams. Number two high only reported our major test results back to our original schools, so it gave our teachers the impression that we were doing very well. After the winter holiday, we entered the final stretch before the Gaokao. The atmosphere in the class grew more and more tense as we tackled more and more practice problems every day. Every second of our day had been arranged by the teachers, and I felt I had no energy left to identify my own weaknesses and try to make improvements. I simply allowed myself to be dragged forward. By April, I was seriously wondering if the system at number two high was right for me. Once this idea took hold in my brain, I couldn't get rid of it. By this time, we were doing 15 mock tests per month. Not only did it feel like torture, but it also felt useless. I called my old teacher and told him I wanted to return home to prepare for the gal call, but he told me I was just being emotional 
I called him several times after that, but he just told me to wait a little longer. I also called my parents, who told me they supported whatever I chose to do, but I knew that deep down, they didn't really. There were many success stories among past transfer students, so they all thought staying in Hengshui was the best choice. The closer we got to the exam, the more unstable my emotions. I was on a continuous roller coaster of hopes and disappointments. I started crying as soon as the self-study period started, and yet my pen did not stop moving across the page as I answered the question. I started refusing to eat, inflicting pain on my own body to distract myself from the agony in my mind. One evening, the English listening recording had already started before I realized I had put away my math problems, and by that time, the English teacher had already noticed. She walked up to me and scolded, Why are you still doing math? Don't you know what time it is? I knew this teacher hated it when students used her class time to study other subjects. I stood up and apologized and said I didn't hear the bell ring. So, how come everyone else heard it? Get out. Get. Go stand outside. You're excused from English class for the rest of the week, and don't bother coming to listening practice. And then she raised her voice even higher. Tell you what, from now on, all transfer students are excused from listening practice, and it's all because of her. I didn't care about being suspended from class. If number two high school had kicked me out then and there, I would have been much happier. But the way she decided to punish all transfer students because of me was ridiculous. Please, miss, could I say something? I was angry, and yet, to my shame, I could not stop crying. What could you have to say? Get out! Go stand facing the wall! I went out, wiping my tears. Standing beside me at the wall was a girl who'd gotten suspended because... Her shoe fell off during the morning jog. She was a quiet girl, soft-spoken and gentle. She asked me what I did, and I told her, sobbing, that I didn't take out my textbook in time. At this point, the English teacher came out of the classroom and saw us whispering to each other and told the other girl, Stay away from her! Don't talk to her! At that moment, I thought I had become some sort of monster. I was someone you couldn't approach who had to be separated from the rest. I started wanting to go home more and more. As May approached, I felt like it was my last chance. I called my old teacher again, and he started chewing me out over the phone. You're so selfish. You only care about yourself. You haven't considered your teachers, your parents, your classmates. Haven't you thought that if you come back early, that'll discourage the other students? Have you told them what you're thinking? This is the first time my teacher had ever spoken to me so harshly. Besides shock, I felt angry, and my voice trembled as I said, Oh, sorry, sir. This is the last time I'll call you. I won't go back, and you don't have to tell me when I can come back again. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. I hung up the phone and threw away my calling card, and right away I felt lighter. I had accepted my fate. Every day I would brainwash myself. My past self is dead. As long as I keep going, 
I can achieve my dreams. Six of six. A few days later, my mother suddenly appeared in Hengshui. She said my old teacher had asked her to come and see me. If I still wanted to go home, she would take me straight away. Something I had desperately wished for, for a month, had just been offered to me. I was almost afraid to believe it was real. I took a walk with my mother, and she told me she would support whatever I chose. I also called my teacher, and he guessed that my indecision was born out of worrying about becoming the center of attention, how people would expect more of me after I came home. That's inevitable. It's a gamble whether you stay or go. The decision is up to you. In the end, I ran back into number two high school and packed up in lightning speed. I was fleeing again. On the train, I felt like I was dreaming. This morning, I was still pep-talking myself. By evening, I was back in the home I dreamed of every day. The next day, I returned to my old school. My classmates added a desk in the classroom for me. Almost everyone in school seemed to know who I was, even those whom I had never talked to before. Wherever I walked, I could almost hear people whispering, She's the one who came back from Hengshui. Friends have asked me whether I regretted going to Hengshui. I said no. I wouldn't be who I am today without that experience. I'd acquired a lot of knowledge and test-taking skills there. Perhaps I'd also matured. A few days after I came back, we took a mock exam. I felt like I wasn't the only person with the eyes on the test results. A lot of people wanted to see how I'd do. With this kind of added pressure, I knew I didn't do very well almost as soon as I handed in the paper. Yet I was strangely unconcerned. A few days later, the scores came out, and they were higher than I expected. Everything seemed to have come full circle. I had gone away full of hopes for the future, and now I've returned full of hopes. It wasn't a struggle to get acclimated after I got back. I woke up earlier than I had at number two high and went to bed later, yet I didn't feel tired at all. I finally had the right to arrange my own schedule to prepare for the Gaokao under my own motivation. During the final month before the exam, there were lots of mock tests, but I can't remember any of my scores. During that time, I received help and concern from a lot of classmates, as if I had never left. Even to this day, I have never felt the kind of happiness and fulfillment as I did then. After the Gaokao, I closed the chapter on my high school life. Everything from Hung Shui, from number two high, faded from my memory. I never contacted my classmates from that school again. I don't know which university they ended up at. When I think back on those memories, be they happy or bitter ones, I can't make myself feel anything. Occasionally, though, I will think about our monthly afternoons off, of going shopping with my friends. The streets would be full of people, many of them wearing our school uniforms. The shopkeepers would be selling cloying sweet bean paste cakes, steaming sweet potatoes and pet rabbits and hamsters in cages. I want to go back there. 
I want to walk those streets again and see if I can feel the happiness that I did then. Written by Shu. The names have been changed in the text. You've been listening to Inside China's Gaokao Factory. A former student recounts her grueling schedule and eventual withdrawal from Hengshui, a city notorious for exam prep schools. Written by Ren Jian the Livings. Translated by Hattie Liu. Read to you by Cliff Larson.